1: The unsurpassed, profound, and wondrous Dharma is rarely met with, even in a hundred thousand million kalpas. Now I can see and hear it, accept and maintain it. May I unfold the meaning of the Tathagata's truth.
0: I'm going to take off my mask for this talk. Uh, please let me know if you can't hear me. And uh, welcome to everyone. It's my first time in this beautiful new space. Um, and it's lovely to be here. I to also welcome the Zoom world, who can't see. <laughs> um, so, um, In fact, if I do some, if I leave out some important technical thing, thank you for the technical help on that. It really adds a lot that we're able to share with so many others, but I, I may miss a cue, so just um, let me know.
1: We are here to support you.
0: <laughs> so uh, I'm feeling a little bit celebratory uh, today because uh we're approaching the spring equinox which will be next week and uh our clocks have sprung forward and uh feeling this palpable cheeriness uh it, it comes from the longer daylight hours and the uh, milder temperatures and uh even a few hints of the beautiful flora and fauna uh, that, uh is our. Spring in the Midwest, uh, and, and I, I just madly adore um, our beautiful wildflowers and our migrating warblers and our returning butterflies, and uh, uh, it's just we have glorious abundance in this in this part of of the of the country. So I did do my best to enjoy winter in Chicago this past year. I even traveled north to uh, Lake Superior. Mm-hmm where the temperatures were double digits below zero. <laughs> uh, and the and the gorgeous great grey owls welcomed us. Um, and in our, our monthly haiku, ancient dragon haiku walks, we did our best to enjoy winter as well. We had many challenges, we had low temperatures, we had gray skies, we had difficult icy walking trails, but we produced many worthy poems about our experiences and I'm going to share a few with you. We we share them anonymously. um, And so I don't remember who wrote any of these, maybe you do if you wrote one, but uh, here are three just for your enjoyment. Stubby knobbed branches caught our eyes, living fossil, split-trunk binko tree. Gleaming patch of sky emerges from winter gray, azure angel wings. Grasses, seed pods, leaves, rainbow of warm russet tints, Goldfinch smorgasbord. So, as usual, I'm beginning my talk by connecting with nature. Uh, there's nothing more zen than connecting with nature. This misguided idea that humans are somehow separate is problematic, and uh, it's not a small problem. Yesterday, I participated in a an interfaith climate change uh, summit. Uh, I brought a couple of... Uh, the programs from it, uh, which we at if you're interested in later. Uh, it was organized by the Lincoln Park Presbyterian Church, a beautiful building at 600 West Fullerton built in the late 1800s. And there were representatives from Baha'i, Buddhist, Sikh, Protestant, Jewish, and Catholic faith traditions. And I, of course, was the Buddhist. Uh, so I wanted to share some of my impressions from that experience tonight. Um, but I also want you to know that I don't, uh, have any real answers. Um, and that I hope during our discussion, we'll share our feelings, our questions, our thoughts, whatever comes up. It's a little bit like COVID. There's a lot known and a lot unknown. Uh, about climate change, and and it's overwhelming, and um, and many of us are afraid, or angry, uh, we're struggling to find an appropriate response or appropriate responses. So, where to start? Um, here's one possible starting point: Lao Tzu, the semi legendary sixth century Chinese founder of Taoism, that we. Really all love, uh, is reputed to have said, if you do not change direction, you may end up where you are heading. So that kind of sums it up for climate change for me. I mean, despite the fact that there's, there's still much that's not understood about climate change, it's completely clear that if we, the human race, do not change direction, we may end up where we 're heading uh, in nineteen ninety two so thirty years ago, the first president bush george h w bush they' uh, famously flipped off the world by saying the American way of life is not up for negotiations and um, it was a prescient comment um, it 's thirty years later and uh We we might end up where we're headed because we haven't changed. So where are we heading? We seem to be heading toward a world that's uh, dramatically different from the one we're familiar with, the glorious Chicago spring that I was talking about two minutes ago. will be different. Any sentient non-human species will not survive. Many human sentient beings will not survive and suffering will grow exponentially. And it already has of course, but we've only seen the beginning of it. So I do I do my best to keep up with the literature on climate change and there's really not much good news. I believe we're failing. I believe it's too late to change direction enough to avoid major catastrophic outcomes. And I'm completely baffled that is not understood as something that every country, every institution, every individual should be focused on as the highest priority emergency that it is. I really think humans are a very strange flavor of ape. Um, But let me tell you a little more about yesterday's summit. There were about 60 people in the audience, which was not huge, but it was a beautiful Sunday afternoon, one of the first beautiful Sunday afternoons. Um, There were others online. Beth Brown, who's the pastor of that church that hosted it, made opening comments that criticized in the strongest language, the ideas of Christian supremacy and of human supremacy in our culture. She called these ideas evil. That really got my attention. That was a very interesting way for her to welcome um, the the audience and the panelists. And the first question for the panel was, what does your religion say about the role of acting in the world as a means to improve the world? And how can this be applied to meeting the challenges posed by climate change? So this is what I said. The emphasis in our Soto Zen practice is Zazen, uh, silent meditation. We sit in silence, both together as a community and individually at home for many hours. Why do we do this and how could it possibly help with climate change? So it's an unfortunate misunderstanding, I told them, that Zen meditators are focused on personal enlightenment through these hours of meditation, that were people who withdraw from the world and uh, seek personal awakening in monasteries or on mountaintops like you see in New Yorker cartoons uh, to achieve a kind of a blissful peace of mind. People seem to think that Zen practitioners are sort of blissed out zombies with no interest or connection to the real world. And I told them that was not true. And that on the contrary, the purpose of our meditation and our study is to awaken ourselves from delusion and ignorance and self-absorption in order to arouse us to work for the benefit of all sentient beings that Bodhisattva allows. And we define all sentient beings very broadly, all people, all animals, insects, trees, plants, Rocks, water, air, the oceans, mountains, sky. But what the Buddha discovered long ago is that meditation awakens us to the suffering in the world and calls us to work to reduce that suffering. So I shared with them some quotes from the Western Soto Zen Statement on the climate crisis that was adopted in 2016. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's on our website. I brought a copy tonight if anyone is interested in looking at it. Um, It contains strong language encouraging action on the part of all sanghas uh, and all practitioners. So that was my response to that first question. Responses from other panelists I thought were sincere, they were skillful, they described social action and deep concern for the welfare of all beings. The sick, he said, don't say sick, say sick. (laughs) I'm using his correction. The sick, who is a lovely man, said, everything is holy. The Catholic talked about transformation the Baha'i talked about interconnection. The Presbyterian acknowledged that there are many Christians who believe that climate change is God's will. Uh, we didn't talk about that too much, but everyone acknowledged that this is a daunting uh, problem and um, the conversation uh, sort of, uh, it, was, it was a two hour um, summit the conversation eventually got to the place of talking about working together as an interfaith effort to, to add strength to our actions. But it was also acknowledged um, that many people in the world aren't connected with a faith community. And so engaging people beyond the walls of churches and temples and mosques, etc., would would really be needed for, for any real act, uh, impact. So I added my name to the email list to be contacted if there are follow-up activities. I'm glad I participated uh, because um, in my view, talking about climate change is a small but necessary uh, part of the solution. So, I thought we should continue to, to talk tonight, and I'll, I'll give you a few more of my thoughts. Um, I'm going to assume we all know we should do things like reduce our driving and flying and eating of meat and so forth. We all know, I hope, that our um, consumption and waste patterns are, are not sustainable and, and need to change. And as we think about this, we focus on the things that that we can control, like driving a hybrid car or riding a bicycle, and we've probably all made our peace with um, things we've decided to do. And I hope we follow our good intentions. Uh, I'll share that. Um, one of the personal actions of my choice is spend a lot of time in the forest preserves um, working on ecological restoration of, of natural areas. I recommend it. It's fun. Right. Saturday we were out there, it was 10 degrees, we had four big fires going, it was fun. Anyway, spiritually nurt- nurturing. But um, most of the public discourse about climate change is about things like energy, but um, natural areas play a very uh, important uh, role as well because soils and plants and so forth uh, hold a lot of carbon, and the healthier they are, the more uh, carbon they hold. After the Glasgow meeting last fall, Um, you know, they produced a report and for the first time there was a lot of emphasis on, um, the importance of protecting and conserving nature in terms of, of carbon. So, but what I believe is that this level of personal actions, uh, is just not enough. Um, because we can focus on what we can control, but what needs to change much of what needs to change is beyond our control. Most Americans have been convinced um, that it's up to us, not to big corporations and institutions. Um, and we've, we've, you know, that if we tighten our belts, things will improve. Um, corporate America has to change if we have any hope. And what I mean by that is that it shouldn't be my responsibility or the responsibility of any individual to figure out how to do things less destructively. Here's one example. I go out of my way to a different place to buy recycled paper, toilet paper made out of recycled paper, because most toilet paper in the jewel comes from deforesting the boreal forests in Canada, which hold millions of tons of carbon and provide habitat for uh, birds and other wildlife. It's it's an extra effort and knowledge to go and do that. And I, My point is not that you should go buy recycled toilet paper, although I hope you will. My point is that in a sane world, no company would ever deforest a boreal area to make toilet paper when there is a perfectly adequate alternative. Um, And in a sane world, it would be illegal. It would be illegal to destroy this pristine habitat because we have an emergency on the planet. Cars should be clean. Public transport should be efficient. It should be easy. It should be cheap. Agriculture should be transformed. Single-use plastic should be banned. Last couple of years ago, I tried to go a week without using single-use plastic. It was impossible. I mean, I drove myself crazy trying to do it. It's not rocket science. I mean, I spent a month in Prague last summer and I used their public transportation to go everywhere. It was safe, it was clean, it was cheap. And uh, most of the other people in the city used it, too, because it was set up for us to easily do the right thing. So the technology exists to do what we need to do to save the, the, the catastrophe, but there needs to be dramatic change. So that can happen. So what do we have to do? We have to... We need political will, and to build political will, I think we have to change ourselves, and so that's why I told the attendees of the summit that we sit in silent meditation. But I, I, I am discouraged and heartbroken. I believe the precepts are a useful framework for living our lives. If we try to honor life on earth, refrain from stealing, speak truthfully and respectfully, Avoid clouding our minds with intoxicants and sensual overload. The outcome will be that we are less of a cost to the world and more of a benefit. If we practice right speech and right livelihood, we'll have a better life and we'll also live lighter. That change is needed. So, I know that uh, the Branching Streams meeting in Texas next month is going to focus on environmental degradation and climate change, it'll be guided by Stephanie Kaza, who's a she's a renowned scientist. She's a Buddhist and academic and educator. Um, several people from Ancient Dragon will participate, so I look forward to learning more about the results of that conversation. I'll be leading a half day sitting on May 1st, and um, I'm gonna do a talk based on Dr. Kaza's, um 2019 book. It's a superb book, it's called Green Buddhism. And I hope that day we'll, we'll sit with some of these questions and, and talk about ways to help things change. So um, that's my talk. Uh, I'm looking forward to a rich discussion, and uh, thank you very much. And happy pie day. <laughs> How do we do this? Do people, um, you'll call on people here. Yeah. I'll people online people here. So if you have Correct. something you'd like to say, just put your hands in Gosho, and I'll, um, watch.
2: Hey, uh, I'm Joe. Uh, I was for, I was fortunate enough to be able to watch uh, a conference on YouTube, and uh, you. uh, all all of you had uh, uh, very illuminating, thought provoking things to say. Um, I, I I just want to add my perspective. Uh, and if this is, uh, you know, maybe this is along the lines of what the uh, kind, the kind of thinking you were approaching yesterday, or, or maybe it's a different direction. I don't know. Um, I believe that uh, it's impossible to separate socioeconomic class from any uh, analysis or any uh, endeavor human uh, uh, of humankind, and. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to go into a great deal about this, but I've been thinking about this a lot since yesterday, and, and I think that um, um, I'll, I'll, I'll just give a, 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 an example of, of the, the foremost example that came to my mind. Uh, last spring, uh, I was um, uh, I, I bought a new car, uh, not a new car, but I bought a car, and I did, as um, is might have a lot of research on different makes and models and i really wanted to get an electric car um and i uh uh, i i looked at some of the models uh there there were there were some um hybrids that i i i rather liked but i really was going for an all-electric car and i i didn't know much about it Uh, and i found out that in order to to operate an, an electric car you have to charge it for eight or nine hours at a stretch from a, a dedicated source of electricity. Uh, in other words, you had to have an a attached garage with electricity running through it. Well, I, I live in, in an apartment on a, a residential street, and as most of the people I do live in that kind of situation, um, there's um, I kind of the fingers of one hand, people I know that have uh, access to uh, an attached garage. Um, so... There's been a lot of talk about the 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 the, uh, uh, the activities and the, the achievements of uh, Mr. Elon Musk, and uh, I certainly don't want to take anything uh, away from him. He has uh, introduced the idea of such a product into the the marketplace. But you know, um, if I were able to afford a, a Tesla, um, th- there's there's no way I could I could recharge it. I don't have access to a um, an attached garage or a dedicated uh, outdoor source of electricity or any place where I could uh, park the thing overnight. um, there would be anywhere. there would be less than a mile's walk away. And uh, that's true. of most of the people that that I know, uh, working class people, and uh, it's especially true of, uh, of minority people. I know most of whom live in apartments and, um, so uh, this kind of brings up the question of environmental racism and environmental classism um where we take it from here i i i don't know i think um one one may one route may be and this may have to be initiated by the government would be to uh improve the technology to uh you know find a way where we could easily and practically uh charge these cars and not for you know for a period of an hour or two or something so that that was that's been on my mind, and um, it was a good it was a good talk. I I liked it. Thank
0: you, Joe. There's one other thing about electric cars, um, which is that the electric the electricity a lot of the electricity comes from coal fired plants, <laughs> which sort of defeats the purpose at least partly. Um, although that is somewhat changing. Um, it's a, it's a complicated world we live in. Was the, was the technology good yesterday you were able to hear everyone?
2: I understood everything except, uh, as you know, we had some problems with, uh, the, with, 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 with this, the sick clergy. But yeah. aside from that, uh, everything was quite clear, yeah. I think that
0: was his, his, uh, an issue on his end. Are there other comments? Yes.
2: Uh, Bryant has
3: his hand raised. Well, thank you. Um, very you excellent. One talk. Of my haiku on a, poets. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh yeah, the haiku walks were wonderful. I'm I'm gonna give a shout out and uh uh and encomium of praise to the haiku walks. I hope that they can uh, continue at some point. Um and I'll be there with you uh on the next last one. Uh but that's not my comment. <clears throat> uh an excellent talk and you touched on something that I've known for a while now regarding uh recycling and and green activity. I saw a study uh from which they developed some some graphical representations of the of the conclusions and <clears throat> the alarming or startling conclusion was that the amount of activity that we as individuals uh, devote to being green, you know, recycling and you know, eating less meat and all the, all the wonderful things that many of us do uh, really amount to about 15% effectiveness on, on the situation as a whole. The overwhelming, like eighty-five, and I don't remember the exact numbers, but I'm giving you a rough estimate. And corporations and their activities, the the giant, obvious industries, account for about eighty-five percent of the creation of the bad and the potential for eliminating the bad. And so, I think your <laughs> Portion where you talked about political will was crucial because I can save all my plastic bags and I can recycle and I can do all these things. But I know that it's like a candle in the wind compared to the horrible effects of these massive global corporations and their activities. And so <clears throat> I guess it points to the real need somehow to get enough awareness uh, amongst enough people to create that political will to somehow, you know, affect change among the agents that are actually contributing the lion's share of the harm. Uh, do you have thoughts on how to best go about that?
1: you asking me? Uh, you are...
3: I can't
0: my best
3: thoughts. <laughs> you're, you're informed, so I figured you might have some, some at least some, uh, I mean, there, there's obvious, you know, getting more involved, I know, uh, and I, I try to do the best I can, you know, elect who I think are the right people and, you know, sometimes gather signatures to get those people on the ballot, et cetera, uh, but... Um, and Tigan, maybe you could speak to this. you've had a history of of active engagement you know what what are the things that a common person like myself or anyone uh, could best use their time to do to affect to real and meaningful change in this area
0: I mean the short my short answer, which I was trying to say is it's an emergency. We need to be talking about it all the time we need to be treating it as if it's not this future thing that you know <clears throat> we're we're going to eventually take care of it's right now let's treat it that way the way people went and made vaccines in a year like a miracle because there was an emergency not that it's completely fixed but that just happened <laughs> because it was put as a number one priority, at uh, least by some people. Taigan, I didn't mean to uh, take away from no. your response.
4: No, uh, thank, thank you so much, Gioshin, for everything you've said. Thank you to Brian. Um, yes, it's an emergency, and yes, I, I'm surprised, Brian, that it's only fifteen. That it's that it's as much as fifteen percent that we can do individually. I think it's. It seems to me it's much more than eighty-five percent that of what needs to happen that has to do with fossil fuel companies and uh, related uh, uh, events. Um, uh, I've, I've talked about this at Ancient Dragon before, but the fossil fuel companies knew about this uh, effects of climate breakdown from fossil fuels back in the 70s, and they doubled down on, on uh, disinformation and denial. Uh, So I'm in the middle of reading an an interesting article in The New Yorker about uh, the uh, Sunrise Movement and their approach, young people, is to actually uh, pressure the legislators and the corporations actively. And I think that's, you know, I I think that's uh, something that's maybe very useful. And anybody at Ancient Dragon who wants to. Help and support them. I don't know if there's a Chicago branch. I should know that. Maybe maybe Patrick knows. Um, but um, yeah, there there is enough. Technologically, uh, we have enough. Um, we can get enough from from uh, solar and from other uh, sustainable energy sources that are actually cheaper now than fossil fuels and nuclear and and uh, all those energy systems that we subsidize that are causing damage. So uh, there needs to be a... We, we need to change political will, which means we need to change how people think on a big scale, not just, uh, as has been said, uh, I think it's good for us to do individual, you know, activities, um, uh, not eat meat and uh, or not eat beef and, and, you know, sustainable products, but there needs to be a big change. And so various ideas are around the Green New Deal idea would make a big difference. And that has to do with um, changing this. The, the, this is difficult, changing the structure of our societies. So uh, pressure, political pressure, corporate pressure, all of this is what uh, seems like will be most helpful. Uh, as Yoshin said, there is going to be catastrophic events, and that we've already seen them. One aspect of the um, pandemic is that it shows that people can change fundamental ways that, that we live. Uh, and uh, that's going to be needed. And the last thing I want to say is that this is also related to uh, the situation in the Ukraine, very, very much so. Um, our our military is one of the greatest. The United States military is one of the greatest um, culprits in terms of fossil fuel uh, use, and and the the, the U- Ukraine war is many ways is has to do with Russia's oil, and and, and now we're trying to stop that. And anyway, a uh, conversion uh, is going to be difficult in every country because it means retraining people who are working in in current energy systems to work in the new. Uh, alternative energy systems, but um, anyway, that's what's needed. And I, I want people may not know, but I, I want if I, I, I want to take the liberty of calling on Patrick Miller, who's here on the Zoom, and I'm sure there are people at Ebenezer who have things to say. But uh, Patrick Miller works for the Environmental Protection Agency uh, in uh, the Chicago area, and I don't know if you have anything you want to add, Patrick.
5: Thank you, tell you. Can you hear me okay?
6: Yeah. Yes. Yep. Um,
5: I, I mean, I agree um, with everything that's been said. I, uh, it's important to, to have these personal practices, um, but the rate at which change needs to happen uh, needs to happen at a corporate uh, industrial level. Um, uh, last summer, there was an article by NPR that the really big push for marketing for recycling was driven by oil companies to maintain the use of plastics. Um, and so in my head, I've been sort of going through the you know, delusions are endless. <laughs> Thing, because it's, uh, it's really eye-opening then to consider, um, everything that, that's really going on and, and the different layers and, um, uh, different players even. Um, there are some positives. Uh, I don't, I think it was last year as well. Um, cities in California banned the export of coal and pet Coke, um, fuels that can't be consumed here. They, they export to India and China and cities, you know, decided to ban those exports. Um, Illinois has, is like, I don't I forget what the percentage is. It's like 10% of the U S coal market Um, and it's generally higher sulfur coal which can't be really consumed um, the power plants in the Midwest to meet regulations so they ship it out so it's still getting consumed somewhere but it's not being burned here Um, and so I I do think that the um, it's not just you know, a phase out, it has to be a stop, like immediately. <laughs> um, and then put the resources towards more renewable products. Um, so it, it, it is important to, to have those personal practices in the sense then that you're connected to the global issues. Um, there was something. Um, it's like fifty percent of the pollution in China is for exports, products that are consumed outside the country. Um, so, a lot of the consumption leads to direct pollution that someone else is experiencing. Um, so, in, you know, we're we're all connected. Uh, And this is a a global um, problem. So I I think it's both. You have to have a personal practice um, to maintain your awareness of the global situation.
6: Um, this, is, this is Wade. I think Patrick makes a good point, which is that in the discussion on personal responsibility versus corporate responsibility, um, there's a bit of a chicken and an egg thing going on where corporations aren't producing pollution because it's fun for them. They're producing pollution because it makes them money because someone's buying the thing that they are producing that is, that is causing the, the pollution. Um, so I have seen some people um, in talking about this, feel like they, they almost abdicate themselves the personal responsibility because corporations have such a, such a lion's share of the responsibility and i i just um that's not the point that anyone here has made tonight but i do but i do feel sometimes disheartened by that because i think it it misses the nuance that um yeah i mean if half the pollution in china is because they're making plastic tchotchkes that americans are buying Americans have response, like individual consumer Americans have responsibility for that just as much as the, as the companies that are meeting that, that demand. Um, I don't know that I'm going anywhere with this comment.
0: You don't think plastic tchotchkes should be illegal like I do? <laughs> uh-huh.
6: <laughs> that I,
0: I say that. Well,
6: no, it's I, it's I, a... it
0: light-heartedly, like, but <laughs> I sort of believe it on one on a level. I don't yeah. think it should be allowed if it's so destructive that in our own self interest we should make rules for ourselves that are in our self interest <laughs> and the self interest of other sentient beings.
6: Yeah, I, I think it's an interesting point. I al- I also think it's it's tricky because then then. There's a whole element to that debate about the role of government in society, which is a hot topic for Americans. Um, and people have to want to regulate that in order for it to to work.
0: Right. I agree with that. Yeah. You have to want to save the planet. Right. Oh yes, question down here. Sorry, it's hard to see you guys. No. <laughs> um,
1: I wonder if your thoughts or anyone else has thoughts about um, just the idea of localization of uh, consumption. Can you speak up? Mike? Sorry? Can you speak up for a yes. um uh, thinking about the idea of localization of consumption, um, if we take our business away from kind of bigger corporations and where applicable or where available to you know, smaller grocery stores or smaller stores, um, uh, to kind of shift the the money away. And I know that like, there's so much that is tied into that. You know, obviously, um, people have to want to make the effort to do that. Um, those places have to be available and sustainable. Um, but I, I've seen that that, that this is like another tool that we have that we could do. And obviously, there's layers in that because you know, they'll sell. Plastic charge cases that are made by big corporations in those stores. Um, so again, it's it's tricky. But I don't know if you have thoughts about that. or
0: Yeah, I love I love community based action. That that's so healthy in so many ways. I mean, it feeds our spirits, you know, and it connects us to each other. It it feels good to do something that. Is positive. I, 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 I love all of that. I think I can't imagine anyone who doesn't. And I try to do it as much as I can. And I'm sure other people in this room do that as well. It's, it's just not enough yet. So it's, it, there's no doubt that all of that can and should be done and multiplied as much as we possibly can multiply. I mean, I'm not fresh and maybe I'm wrong and um there'll be dramatic change next week, but in bloody for a while <laughs> If, if you graph the progress, the curve is not <laughs> not changing much, kind of a flat. Uh, um, you know, we heard lots of stories yesterday. Uh, one of the, uh, I guess he was Presbyterian minister from the south side, said veganism is is really popular down in Woodlawn, which I had no idea of. It's a very, uh, it's catching on with uh, African-American people of lower income in Woodlawn. I thought, wow, that's so interesting. I, you know, how, thank you, (laughs) how wonderful. Uh, I wonder how that happened. You know, it's just uh, still a lovely story of, of people being Righteous, I, I, so and there's, I'm sure, many stories like that that are heartwarming and valuable. And now the mayor wants to put a, uh, a uh, casino in the old McCormick Place building. That's a that's a building that has killed tens of thousands of birds during migration, and we thought they were going to tear it down finally, and instead of Doing that, she wants to have the lights on all night, which will, of course, multiply the bird killing by a couple orders of magnitude. <laughs> so it's like, oh, it's not one thing, it's another. Anyway, or problem solving a casino on the lakefront just what the world needs. <sighs> Someone else says something happy. No, but I brought that down. It
6: seems that. Perhaps, who would like to go, and then we can hit up Patrick.
0: Oh, yes. Oh, please, Patrick.
1: Person... Patrick's saying no. Okay.
0: <laughs> um, so, I think of this idea that the personal is political, mm-hmm. and that in our practice, being able to be stable and tolerate discomfort, a lot of the problems we have come from the fact that things seem so convenient. That are deadly. Mm-hmm. And to feel that in our bodies. You know, at a Heiji, they take a dipper of water and they return half of that water and they use it to the river. And I feel if we support each other in this, that we, we know how to act. But we also have to resist the pull of comfort and slow things down. You know, even in how we take care of everything here. It has an impact, you know, and locally, there's a lot of action. I mean, I live in the 47th ward. Used to be known as the Fighting 47, you know, kind of a machine-politic place. It's completely changed. There is a, a, a local war based climate action group. There's a local indivisible group that is focused on environmental issues. So there are ways that, that this dipping the water into the stream and pouring half of it back can translate into our activity in everyday life. But it's really easy to want to buy that plastic tchotchke (laughs) until you really deeply sit with it with compassion. That's how I feel about it. So although I'm deeply troubled, you know, I grew up by the ocean and I've seen the coral reefs turn into a graveyard. 70% are dead in the Caribbean, and I've snorkeled that my whole life. So I feel that pain around us here in Chicago, but nonetheless, our bodhisattva for ways to move forward. So I thank you Laurel for bringing forth this amazing topic, and it's a great topic for our time, but I think we have we support each other to move forward and construct these things. So, Patrick, I'm sorry if I stole the show from you, but please uh, offer your sorry. Offer your often.
1: Thank you.
5: Um, I I just wanted to um, put it out there that I uh, I'm hopeful um, for change. I um, humans are pretty creative. Um, but there's a um, so for instance like sulfuric acid uh, like acid rain um, actually that was a serious serious problem um, it still can be a concern in certain situations but um, I remember in um, one of my grade school classes hearing about it and they had this picture of a statue that was like melting or it looked very worn Um and, uh, we've really, um, through action and regulations, um, averted that crisis pretty well. Um, we have to maintain it though. That we still have to, you know, maintain that effort. Um, so I am hopeful in that sense. Um, there, with climate change, I feel there's a, another aspect though, and that is, to a point Joe, Joe made earlier, and that there are, um, uh, as ingenious as we can be, we forget about everyone, or we don't include everyone maybe in the solution. Uh, and so it's where, um, um, black and minority communities are on the front lines of climate change and, um, environmental justice. Uh, and so, um, moving towards solutions and programs that put them first. It sounds kind of, I know we're all in this together, um, but people are and have been experiencing climate change and have been burdened by my pollution. Um, and so it's this, it's this balance that everyone needs to be moving forward um, but I am hopeful. I guess if that means anything,
4: I, I just want to briefly uh, echo uh, Patrick that um, hopelessness or feeling overwhelmed is is not helpful, and that uh, and. Uh, feeling like there's nothing we can do and that, that, that it's, uh, that it, it, that our destruction is inevitable. There's going to be difficulties, but, uh, there are things, as, as Patrick was saying, and many have said, and Hokeci was saying there are things that can be done. There is change is possible. So we have to, uh, keep looking at that. Thank you.
7: um, yeah, I think I I'm also hopeful. I mean, it's it's incredibly intimidating, but I, I'm also hopeful, and I think the political the political will is very possible. I'm um, I'm thinking about what you were saying, Josh, uh, about the vaccines uh, and how quickly they were made, uh, and you know there's there was an incredible economic incentive for them to be made. Very quickly, So to my thinking, there has to be a lot of economic incentive for these corporations to change, to, to make these fundamental changes about how they make their products. But I think that's possible if the government uh, calls the play. On it. Um, and I think, I think it's possible that those people can, can be in power. Um, I'm, I'm remembering uh, an episode of Comedians in cars drinking coffee you know, if in opening on the the Jerry Seinfeld web series. Mm-hmm. And he has one with Barack Obama and he asks Barack about you know what it's like to try and push an initiative. And he says it's it's like a football game where you're you're trying to call plays and you can sometimes see an opening and, and like call this know what play to call and there'll be open field and you can you know get that get that initiative done and get that bill passed. And so I think I do think it's possible that someone will be in power on the on the federal level that will put forward, will will make it a um, a priority of their um, uh, of their administration uh, that that's the play that they have that they're determined to get through. Like uh, you know, uh, Obama had. Obamacare, you know, like there's different politicians on that level. Basically, a lot of times will try to have a defining, you know, uh, action or uh, initiative. And I think it's possible to put together a, a package that has a ton of, you know, impossible to refuse tax cuts and benefits and blah 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 for the for corporations that that make this kind of seismic fundamental change. Possible, um, and so we have a role to play in that with you know who who we're electing, obviously. Um, but then there's also the kind of pressure we're putting, you know, on um, you know with with activism for folks that chose to do that choose to do that about um, how serious we are about it being a necessity for someone on the federal level to take that that seriously for it to be that um, that kind of uh, trademark. Uh, initiative of their administration, but I think we're culturally at a point where someone could, would be coming in power where that would be um, something that they want. I, the The awareness of how urgent the problem is, I think, is gathering enough steam where that's that's possible. I see that as something that's very possible in my lifetime. Uh, I, I don't know if it's going to be enough, but I hope so. Um, and then on the, the personal level, um, I think it's... It's often feels like saying something rude, you know, when you're when you bring up something about this in day-to-day life. When it when someone hasn't broken the ice about about climate change, um, it feels awkward. I think the most practical thing that I'm trying to do is not fly. And uh, my my hometown is in Massachusetts, so that makes it kind of awkward because I'm taking a very long train ride to go to go home for when I go home and when you know folks ask me what i'm doing for the holidays and i'm saying well, i'm going home and they'll say oh you know what when when's your flight i'll be like well well i'm actually taking the train and then there's kind of an awkward pause of like well, why would you choose to do that you know Ooh, yeah education opportunity right but in the, <laughs> and so and so then you're and so then i'm talking about why i'm taking the train and but then people so i'm not saying that that those conversations shouldn't happen i'm saying it's, a, it's a, I think to support what Higetsu is saying that it's an uncomfortable conversation. It's an uncomfortable breach because everybody knows that it's happening one layer down on consciousness. That's right below, you know, how to get onto the the right train stop or when do I have to get to work on time. It's like right underneath that. Um, so yeah, just the, the the persistence of being willing to for it to be awkward to talk about when people ask why you're making certain decisions so that we can be as you know as joanna macy's talking about changing those hearts and minds so those are my thoughts
0: yeah still for me talking to people it's interesting that you know people i think one reason people feel guilty is because they feel like it's on us when it isn't entirely on us so it's sort of what like, We have to stop. It's five minutes to nine. Thank you all very much for this um, uh, important conversation. I, I really appreciate that we're thinking about this and I hope we'll continue to think about this.